And amen. All righty. I'm going to have them put up Habakkuk chapter 2. If you want to turn there, you can. Last week we started a brand new series. I'm calling it The Heart for the House. Uh, and today we're going to continue talking about our vision. And I said last week that if I was attending a church here, or this church, I would really pay attention to what my church or this church believes, the purpose for this church, why we do what we do. Habakkuk chapter 2, can you get that up in case some people can't find it? It's a little hard to find over there in the Old Testament. Go to Malachi and just keep going to your left, you'll get there. But it says, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. And Proverbs 18 talks about where there is no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. So today, and, and let me just tell you before I get into this, I, I'm, I'm, by the grace of God, I'm going to shorten the message today. All things are possible. <laughs> <laughs> because I want you to do something when you leave here in just a few moments. I don't want you just to leave and go home and go out, uh, but to pass through the west side here, go into the, to the fellowship and the layout of our ministry fair. We would like for you to see what your church is doing we have a lot of ministry that's represented here. We don't have all the leaders here today, or we don't have all the leaders uh, represented here today. We want you to really take notice of the connect groups. See what God would place in your heart to do. See what the vision of the church is about so that your life, how many believe it's important to have vision? And we said this last week that it's important that we have vision for our own life, but it's also important that we have a vision and a purpose for our church. And so I want you to um, go ahead and turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes, but I, I want to review just a little bit here because um, the title of the message today is Life is Better Together. We believe in this church that God has designed us to do life together. And so we're going to talk just a little bit here about relationships. But we have to understand that no man is an island unto himself. That when we isolate and when we separate, we become easy prey. We become easy picking for the enemy to knock us off. And so I want to share a few things. I, I believe that... When you start talking about relationships, you get all kind of vibes. You get all kind of feelings. That's why we got to get past feelings and get into revelation. we got to bypass our mind and get some things down in our heart because I think if we ask in here today, a lot of you have been in bad relationships. And sometimes we equate the relationships of our past or maybe even a relationship that we're in now. I'm talking about a natural relationship with somebody, maybe a marriage or what have you, a friendship that went awry or a business partnership, what have you. Listen, 
Just because you've had a bad experience or just because you've been burned does not mean that God intended or intends for you not to have relationships, for you not to be involved because life is better together. But you've got to see the value. And I'm going to point out some things to you. God never intended for you or I to go it alone. Are y'all listening to this today? This is important because I said these next four weeks, we started last week, and uh, I want them to put the vision statement. Let me just review before I read out of the book of Ecclesiastes because there's three words that I gave you last week, and I'm not going to go back over all that. You can go back and get the tape if you desire. You can go get it off the website. You can get it at the, the, the desk there. But we gave three words, remember, because we said we're going to make the vision simple. Now, we have a big vision statement if you go to our church website, you'll see a big vision statement. You'll see a purpose statement. But really, it boils down to these three words. Go, grow, and give. We go to reach people for God. And can I just say this? This week, last Sunday, we had uh, seven people gave their heart to the Lord that got saved. Wednesday night, we had another three people give their heart to the Lord. So there's ten people this week. You say, are you counting? Well, you know, God, God, God counts, Amen. right? There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. So God does count. Come on, somebody. All right, then grow, say grow. We, 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 we are supposed to grow in our relationship with God. My, one, of my, one of my purposes here, one of my responsibility is to grow you up in the things of the Lord. It doesn't come by osmosis, amen? It doesn't come by wishing for it. It comes by just what you're doing this morning. Let the Word of God get in your spirit and cause your inner man or your spirit man to grow. And then we said the last part of the vision is give. So you can, you can sum up all of our vision statement in these three words, go, grow, and give. We give to glorify God with our life. And it's not just money, but it's giving of our life in service for God because God has blessed us with so much. Thank you for those weak amens. So we explained, you know, the hows and the whys. And like I said uh, last week, now we're going to uh, receive on the first Sunday because we're going into the final end of this year. We got November and we have December. And I said at the end of this year, we're going to celebrate 30 years of ministry here at Church of the Living Word. We've been here 30 years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, God has done some amazing things. And uh, the building itself that you're sitting in today uh, is 28 years old. And there's some things that need to be done. We've made up some special envelopes. I don't have one of them to show you today. But uh, we're going to receive on that first Sunday of November and also on the first Sunday of December a heart for the house offering. And this offering will be used after we give our tithe from it to missions. It will be used for some uh, repair and some remodel to the house of God. There's some things that, you know, that need some major work, some major repair. Think about your own house, okay? So we, we want you to 
to be led of God. We want you to understand what you're giving into, why you're giving, and what we uh, uh, aim to do, okay? We stand for the righteous cause of God, amen? All right, so um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you found that, say amen. I want to read verse 9 and 10. It says, two people are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. Did you see that? If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Now this scripture is speaking to me. I hope it speaks to you. Saying that we are better together. And when you go back and you look in the Bible, you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, when God created Adam, what did he say to him? He said, it is not good that you be alone. And he gave him his trouble. I mean, he gave him his help me. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Laugh a little bit. He gave him his help me. He gave him Eve. But you know, if you read another chapter over, that not only did he give man a, a partner in life, a wife, but he also, it says they walk with God. Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day with God. Isn't that amazing? In other words, God intended that you partnership or you have a relationship not only with one another, but with him. Everybody, I think, in here understands how important it is in our relationship with Him. But what about our relationship with one another? So we're going to talk about that here just a little bit because that was the original plan of God. In fact, if you look at the church, you'll see that God designed the church like the family or marriage like the church. That's why the comparison or the analogy is there. How many know that we are not just the church, but we are the family of God? And God looks at you and I as a family. So the revelation is, here. we, we believe in our church that we will not fully transform into what God wants us to be and what God wants us to do until we develop strong relationships with one another. Now, I know that gets weak because I, 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 we believe that God designed the church for a place of transformation. The church is, is what connects you to your destiny. Okay, so we need to see this, all right? We believe that God wants you to be connected to a local church. You're not just floating around out there somewhere, you know, saying I'm a part of the body of Christ. Just like your hand or your foot or your leg not floating out there, left it in the bedroom this morning and the rest of you's here. We believe that God has connected every ligament, every joint, every member of our body for a purpose so that that body can function like God created it to. Can you say amen to that? Now, we have to understand, again, I know when you start talking about things like relationships, all of a sudden these signals start going up because if you've had a bad relationship, and probably many of us have or had bad experiences with somebody, then it becomes difficult to see through that and see that this really is 
what God designed you and I to operate in this life because we are better together than we are apart. We can do more together than we can if we're isolated or separated. We're stronger when we're together. The Bible says one will put a thousand, but what? Two will put 10,000. So we have to understand the value that God puts on relationships, okay? Part of our vision, and we haven't got this completely uh, unfolded yet, but we're in the process of doing that, is with these connect groups. That's one of the reasons I want you to go over there to the ministry fair this morning, because I believe that as we can grow in the Lord and we can begin to connect one, with one another, our lives will be transformed into what God has or the purpose that He has for our life. You know, the world's definition of success is different from God's definition of success. You may be successful in the world, but you're going to stand before God and give an account of your life. And when you give an account of your life, it's going to be an account of what He has told you to do. Not what you thought was a good idea or what you thought was a good plan. It's what God give you to do. Okay? So there's a purpose for us connecting with one another. Amen. So the groups represent different things that are going on in our life. And when you understand that when we connect together, that it begins to cause transformation in our life. You know, you sitting here, you listening to me or the preacher or whoever preaching to you is not where real transformation takes place. Transformation takes place when you're connected with somebody else making a difference in that person's life. What I find is that God fills our cup. The scripture says our cup is supposed to run over. Amen. Well, where is the runover supposed to run over to? See, we have to let our cup be filled so there's something in our cup that we can pour out to somebody else's cup. We become transformed in our life as a Christian and we operate at best or at peak when we're serving and when we're plugged in and when we're helping one another caring about one another, praying for one another, being there for one another. Now this has been missed because we haven't understood the value of relationships. We live here in the valley and a lot of you put premium on family. Uh, well, let me, let, me, let me kind of retract it because some of you probably don't even want to be around your family. But most of us understand that in a family, I'm talking about our personal families, you know, you can have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not everybody in your family, you necessarily like what they do. Are you with me? <laughs> Not everybody in your family, you're proud to call one of your relatives, but they're still your family. Come on, they're still your relatives. God's not called you to disdain them or to disown them, but God has called you to connect. But this is not the kind of family that we're talking about this morning. It's, it's easier, I guess, for people to have family connections with their own loved ones or their own relatives. But God has called us to a higher relationship with that. Yeah, we need to connect to our families. You that are here this morning, you still have your mother and your father, you need to call them. 
You won't have them around all, you know, you won't have them forever. So if you hadn't called your mama, call her today. I remember I called my mother before she passed away and she said, is there something wrong with your hand? I said, no, what do you mean something wrong with my hand? Well, you hadn't picked up the phone and called me in about a week. You know, she would always say something like that. I, I kind of feel bad that I, you know, I couldn't call her every day. But looking back, I probably should have called her every day. I'm just telling you, God wants us to have relationship with our family. He wants us to honor our mother and father. But he also wants us to have a relationship with one another. That's why I said, if you are part of this church then your destiny, listen to me closely so you don't misunderstand this, your destiny is connected to this church. In other words, when you make this your church, and everybody ought to have a church, everybody ought to be connected to a church, this church, and when you submit yourself under a pastor, or you consider me your pastor, then your destiny is also tied to me. But if you believe that your destiny is tied to the church, it's tied to the pastor, then it's also tied to one another that make up that church. Because we all have something to pour into somebody else's cup. What I've learned, no matter how much I know, I can always keep learning. No matter how much I know, I can always learn something from somebody else that's following God. What I know is that if I will allow somebody to put into my cup, then my cup will always be running over that I'll have to put in somebody else's cup. That's what I'm talking about. Because if we're alone, listen, and we fall, there's nobody there but you and God. Now that's good. But how many know there has to be some things there because we all go through things in life that we were never meant to go it alone. I said, there's things that you will face if you live long enough in this earth. All of us call on the Lord. All of us learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. But what God's plan and what God's design is, is that we connect with one another so we have a brother or a sister in the Lord, not just our relationship, family, relative, but somebody in the body of Christ that connects to us through faith, through the power of God, and through prayer that we can lift up, we can encourage, and we can give hope to one another. Now let me say this. <laughs> When you get close to somebody, what happens? They see your faults. Are y'all with me this morning? And a lot of times people don't want you to see their faults. But you know, all we have to do is look at you and we can start detecting something ain't right. But you know what? You can look at me and say, well, something's not right. Well, we can look at each other and find faults or we can look at each other and forgive one another and learn how to love on one another and how to care for one another and how to pray for one another. Are you with me? You pray for my faults. I'll pray for your faults, but don't condemn me because of mine. I won't condemn you because of yours. But together, come on, we can grow up in God. You know, there's a song, I, I, I put the lyrics down. I want you to go to Ephesians before you go. I, I, I grew up in the, uh, in the 60s and, and the 70s, and there was a group 
called Simon and Garfunkel. Anybody ever heard them? I, I hope you don't still listen to them. But, you know, when, when, when I, of course, I grew up in Texas and, and you know, we, uh, our deal was to sit on a tailgate on Friday and Saturday night and pick up and listen to WBAP, you know, uh, a real full high power. You could hear all over the southern part of the United States. But anyway, country and western, that kind of stuff. But this, this group, Simon and Garfunkel, they were kind of a crossover. You know, they didn't do the rock stuff like the Beatles. They didn't do the country and western like, you know, Hank and those things. But it was kind of a in-between. But they, they sang this song, and everybody would, you know, you just pick up on the melody of the song, uh, I Am a Rock. Anybody ever heard that song? I am a rock. I am an island. Am I dating myself or what? How many of you have never heard that song? <laughs> okay, I'm glad you haven't. Now, when I was young and before I got saved, I listened to music, but I didn't listen to the words. Have you ever noticed that once you get saved, you start paying attention to words? I mean, I hear some Christian songs on the radio, and man, I turn them off because they're full of doubt and unbelief. But this song, listen to this. Listen, I, I thought I, 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 I listen to the first uh, paragraph of this song. I've built walls. Now, here's what the song, that's why I don't want you to listen. That's why I didn't play it this one. I've built walls. Here's the, the lyrics of this, of this song. I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. That's how it went. So those words, when I heard that thing, I said, man, these are exactly opposite of what God says. But it was turning, see, hearts and minds of that generation into a, 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 a type of person, I believe still people operate that way today, to build walls. They build a wall around themselves because they don't want anybody to penetrate that wall. So they become isolated. They become separated from what God is doing, what the church is doing. And all they really care about is themselves or us for maybe your family, but no more. But how many know that is not the plan or the will of God? Are you with me this morning? Your life, if you're writing something down this morning, write this down. Your life was designed by God to help other people. Here's the deal. If you're going to be a Christ follower, somebody who follows God, a true disciple, then you're going to have to be a person that connects to another believer somebody that you have something in common in, and we talk about these connect groups. Listen, I'm not talking about being passionate about what I'm passionate about or, or anything like that. I'm talking about being passionate about what God is passionate about. I believe God is passionate about souls. See, you could have, we have nurses in here, we have teachers. You could be part of a group that's made up of teachers. You could be part of a group that's nurses. We got a bunch of hairdressers now. You could be a part of a, you know, a group that has only hairdressers in it. You could be a part, I heard a church has a, has a group that loves hamburgers. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe you're somebody who likes to go to a different place every week. 
and try out their hamburger. Well, start a group, the hamburger group, and connect with somebody in your church that has a passion for hamburgers. Nothing wrong with that, but somewhere in that, see, is designed, come on, it's designed that you are out there in the world not just to blend into the world, but that you're out there and somebody sees your life without you just preaching to them. See, that's why a lot of us don't win our families because we try to preach at them. Don't shout me down now. See, we have to look, <laughs> let me just be real frank, we have to look normal. <laughs> we can't look like some Bible-toting, tongue-talking, devil-casting-out you know, religious freak to the world, we won't win them. We won't save them. I didn't say go do the things they do. I said love on them. Don't condemn them. Come on, let your light shine that something attracts them. Are you with me? Something in you or about you kind of stirs them to gravitate or attract to you. I know you can attract demons. I know you can attract wrong spirits, but we're talking about good things. We're talking about the things of God. We're talking about winning people, groups, offer us an opportunity, not just to be around church people, but other people who do not know the Lord can come into the group because they think you're normal. And all of a sudden, then you get opportunity to minister to them a little bit. Show them why you are normal. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Now listen to this, this second verse. I didn't read all this. Listen to this. Here's the second verse of that song, I'm a Rock. Don't talk of love, but I have heard the words before. It's sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that died. If I never loved, I never would have cried. I am a rock, I am an island. You can go, don't, I mean, you can go listen to it on the internet, you can YouTube it and you'll find it and, and just listen to those words but then bind those words from coming down into your spirit because let me tell you something, the word of God tells us that Jesus designed us to love. Love God and to love one another. Now let me move along because life is about pouring out what God has poured into us. It's not just about becoming a Christian. You say, well, isn't that, isn't that really all we need? Well, no, there's more to life. There's more to your walk with God. If it was just about becoming a Christian, then you could go and just go on to the, you know, and let them inject you or somewhere and just go on to heaven. But that's not, that's not, that's not the purpose of our life, okay? Our life has purpose. Now, go with me over to Ephesians chapter 3. I did tell you I would read this. I got to wind this up here. Look at verse 14 and 15. For this reason, he said, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, now look at this, in heaven and earth is named. So notice here, and I'm pointing this out to you, God sees us as a family. We have a natural family, flesh and blood, relative family, but we also are part of the family of God. Our family is extended. I mean, you know that when we go to heaven, when we leave this earth, our other family that's been with the Lord, we'll see them in heaven. So our family is both in heaven and earth, 
here naturally and also spiritually because that's the way God set this up. He created Adam and Eve as part of his family. That's why he walked and he talked with them in the cool of the day. He lost his family, we know, to sin, to the devil. But if you go through the whole Bible and get to the book of Revelation, it's about him regaining or getting back his family. So the whole Bible is an issue of relationship based on family. Can you say amen to that? All right, so go with me to one more place here because the relationships, you will, you will, if you're taking notes, write this down. Let me just give you the points right quick. You will not develop into the person you need to be being alone or an island to yourself. God designed you to have relationships that will challenge you. They'll help you grow. The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. You know, you may be in some, you may have some people around you that they annoy you. Moving right along. You may have some people that you don't really like to be around, but you have to look at it from a different viewpoint. Maybe God put that person in your life to challenge you, to sharpen you. Come on, somebody. If we just look at it as an annoyance, if we just look at it, man, that person bugs me, we may be missing an opportunity to grow up ourselves. We may be missing an opportunity to pour into their cup. Come on. And so what I'm saying to you is that just because you are in or have had a bad relationship, God does not intend for you never not to have another one. Okay? Now, uh, Matthew 28, 19 says, go therefore, just put it up there right quick. It says, and make disciples of all nations. You see that? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's all we have to read. Now in the original language, the word there for, uh, for disciples, and this is a command. This is a command. See, this is what the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave to us. That's why they call it the great commandment. It's a command that we are to go and to make disciples. Notice he didn't say go and make Christians. There's a difference between a Christian and a disciple. You say, yeah, but being a Christian, you go to heaven, right? You bought a ticket to go to heaven. But how many know just because you buy a ticket for a bus to get to Dallas, how many know you got to do something with the ticket to get to Dallas? Just because you got a ticket in your hand doesn't guarantee you're going to get to Dallas. Are you with me? So discipleship, now listen as I, as I wind this down. You don't become a disciple by sitting in church. You become a disciple as you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you become a doer of the word and not a hearer of that word. You decide that you're going to discipline, that's a derivative of disciple, that you're going to allow your life to transform into doing what God said do. That's why there's a difference between being a Christian and a disciple. Sure, a Christian, they love God, they get saved, but they go on about their own life and they become selfish. When you become a disciple, one of the things that you have to let go of is selfishness, okay? When you get around somebody and you start having to minister or to serve them, all these ministries that you see represented, the connect groups and so on and so forth, are people that have to give of themselves in order to serve in God's kingdom or God's house. You cannot be a servant of the Lord and retain a selfish heart or a selfish spirit. 
If you're going to be a disciple, come on, you're going to have to renounce being a selfish person, not caring about anybody else. Always just keeping it for you or your cup, but never pouring out of your cup to help somebody else. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. All right. So here's what Jesus said, because he had a lot to say. Matthew 16, 24, 25. Quickly, just let, let him put it up there for you. Jesus said to his disciples, are you with me? He said, if any of you want to be my follower or you want to be disciples, come on, you must turn aside from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, here's what Jesus is saying here. A disciple is not a Sunday morning person. <laughs> See, a lot of people think, well, I, I'm serving God, but I got up here. Thank God you got here. Thank God you're here today. Thank God you've given the offerings and you praise and you worship and all the good things, okay, with being a Christian. But what I'm trying to point out to you that a Christian is not a disciple. A disciple becomes a follower of Jesus, learns what Jesus likes, learns what Jesus says, and becomes a follower, a follower of what he says and what he likes. It's very simple, folks. But when we think that, oh, we're getting saved just as fire escape insurance so that we'll miss hell and we'll have heaven as eternal home, there's much, much, much more than that to being a Christian and being a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. But we have to get rid of selfishness to fully transform not only ourselves, but to be of significance to transform other people's lives by what God has placed in us. Now let me just read one more thing here out of John chapter 13. There's a lot here, but I, I'm strapped for time. John 13, 34 and 35 says this. Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world. Notice what it says. Prove to the world. I'm talking about somebody that's not saved. I'm talking about somebody that's operating in a natural mindset. Okay. Prove to the world that you are my disciples. So here comes the question, how do we do one another? How do we do one another to one another? We do one another by connecting to one another. We do one another by loving on one another. We do one another by showing that we care about one another. We do one another when we see our brother or sister fall to some situation that we're there to help them get back up and get them on the right track. That takes work. Ministry is work. It takes time. It takes getting selfishness out of our lives so that we can pour out of our life what God has given to us into somebody else's life in their time of need. Just like somebody probably poured into your life. Somebody witnessed to you. Somebody had a word for you. Somebody prayed for you when you were at your lowest so you could get back up, so you could get back on the track, so you could get back to doing what God wants you to do with your life. Can you say amen to that? Okay. All right. Now, four things here. Because when you get into relationships with people, remember, they're going to see your faults. So don't put up walls. 
We all have faults. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Don't try to hide them, okay? Four things, and I'll leave this with you today. And, 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 and what I want you to take away from here, that church is more than just coming to church on Sundays or even Wednesdays, okay? There's so much more that God has called us to do, okay? Not getting a lot of shouting and praise God's, but amen. So what is the purpose? Why do, and these things strike home, these things, if we got any arrogance in us at all, we got any pride in us, we won't receive what I'm saying today. If we're selfish people, he'll just say, Pastor, I'm too busy, man. You don't know my life. Well, see, we can all make excuses. Christians are the worst people about making excuses. We all are busy. But you know what? Whatever we have a passion to do, whatever we like to do, have you noticed we'll make time to do it? No, 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 no. Don't make that excuse. We're all busy. We all have 24 hours a day. Follow us around. See how busy we are. Some of you are busy. You're busy with your kids. You're busy taking them to soccer. You're busy doing this. You're busy doing that. But you've become too busy to connect and be a kingdom servant or a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, through the commandment of the Lord, commanded us to be disciples. You don't get transformed by sitting here listening to me. You get transformed by declaring in your own self that you're not going to be just a hearer of God's Word, but you're going to get up and you're going to be a doer of God's Word. You're going to go forth. You're going to connect because God didn't build you to be an island to yourself, to be separated and isolated from the people of God or your church so that you can go out there because two is better than one. Together we are better. Say it with me. Say together we are better. <laughs> All right, four things and I'm closing. What we believe the purpose of this is for. One is fellowship. Build good, strong, genuine, authentic relationships through fellowship. Okay? Overlook faults. Overlook the, the defects. Build strong relationships. The second one, and this is important, accountability. See, in a small group, if you don't show up, you're going to get noticed real quick. In a larger church setting, you may go weeks at Weedon and I don't notice you're not here. And even worse now with these lights because I can't see too much in the back row. I just see a bunch of fuzzy faces. But let me tell you something. Accountability is important. Accountability is, is important when you can go to somebody and say, hey, I hadn't seen you in church in a while. And they say, well, I don't know. It's not really important. They just, I don't know. See, you're out there where you can make a difference in somebody's life. You can say, hey, what's the matter? When somebody falls, how many people have fallen through the cracks how many people have fallen out there back into the world and the snare of the devil because there was no accountability partner to help them and to get them back up and get them back right with God? Mm -mm -mm. Third is discipleship. Talking about how a Christian learns to follow Jesus and become 
not just a Christian, but to become a true disciple. And then fourthly and finally, developing others. How many of you believe that God has put something in you? Do you believe whatever God puts in you is good? Do you believe that God has given you gifts? That you will discover those gifts as you begin to step out and serve God and let the anointing and the strength of His might, His power begin to take over your life will make a difference in somebody else's life? See, that's, that's what I'm talking to you about this morning is having significance. It's always about God, folks. It's always about the Lord Jesus. What is He doing? What is He doing in our life? I want you to